This is the Gambling Gauchos. Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I am Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson, maker of lists, Big 12 aficionado. Live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio, the sidewalk sale here in Lubbock starts Thursday, July 7th. Very excited. I'm going to try to go that morning before work and then maybe meet you out there after work. We'll see what happens. Maybe, okay. maybe you meet, maybe you go one day and then we'll meet up at this weekend, see if they have new stuff out there. Regardless, Cardinal Sports Center, Lubbock location, 69th-ish and slide. Nice. Go on down. July 7th through 10th, sidewalk sale. Or you can gear up for the final Lubbock Matadors game. Lubbock Matadors, another beautiful sponsor of ours for the beautiful game. July 9th, this Saturday, the final game of the season. If they win, they're in the playoffs. Is that true? I believe they need all three points for an opportunity to be in the playoff. Yes. I thought they needed to win and get some help. Well, you can only control what you can control, Kyle. That's right. Win and you have the opportunity to be in. Yeah. So where they are on the table means they have to. Now, they just beat the Denton Diablos, reigning, defending on the champion road. on the road. So come home and win. They're playing their best soccer of the year. Uh, so we're excited for the Lubbock Matadors. Uh, will you be out there? God willing. Yes, I think okay. so. I believe I will be as too. So. Uh, we'll see you out there. I believe also we'll have some tickets to give away. We gave away uh, some last week. Forgive me. I do not remember the fellow's name. I could go back and look, but uh, he enjoyed the tickets with him and his girlfriend. So proud of proud of that guy. Well, and you better go see the Lubbock Matadors before they go to the Big Ten. That's right. Because that's right. The world we're living in, Rob. Who knows? Valuation. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe they'll head to the MLS next and. We'll have some conference realignment there. Oh, my God. That's so fun. (laughs) Do we go all in on being a soccer podcast at that point if Lubbock gets an MLS franchise? I don't know about all in, but, yeah, we would certainly, even more than we already do with the Lubbock Matadors, be all in. Yeah. Well, Rob, you and I recorded on Wednesday last week. Yeah, and then the whole world went to. Yeah, at the time, we thought we were covering – news about the shifting landscape of college athletics because the Big 12 put out a press release announcing Brett Yormark as the new commissioner and had all this great language, which we covered about, you know, the world Brett comes from looks a lot like the world college athletics is headed in. And we thought, okay, this is big news, and he's going to help us navigate through the shifting landscape of college athletics. And then the landscape, if it was shifting before, it experienced some sort of tectonic eruption because the yeah. very next day after we published that episode, USC and UCLA are rumored to go to the Big Ten at lunchtime. It's a done deal by dinner time, And over the holiday weekend here, there's just been a ton of speculation and scenarios laid out. And you and I could probably go for four hours if we wanted to on all this stuff. I imagine we'll probably go for 60 to 90 minutes. But I love this stuff. It's fascinating to me. It is. It, and it's kind of a double-edged sword. Because in some respects, I just want to give my opinion once and then kind of move on and things happen or not happen. But with college realignment, it is a never-ending, fluid 
perspective that's always shifting. And so you can give your opinion and then two hours later it's moot and you have to give a new opinion or you have some guy on Twitter just not understanding your opinion. So you have to explain your opinion and then you just like start having other people send you opinions from other people that they're regarding as fact saying your opinion is wrong because this fact says this, but it's just an opinion. So in some respects, I love the chaos in other respects, it's chaos and I hate it. Yes, I I'm with you. And a year ago, I hated the chaos because I, I was really down in the dumps, like crap, Texas tech and you were and Kansas state and Iowa state might be screwed in this deal. Your favorite three teams. Right. Yeah. Uh, at least based on Twitter fan bases. Yeah. Um, but as Michael Scott would say, my how the turntables, you know, you're in a, I think, and we'll see how it plays out, but it seems like you have the upper hand over the Pac-12 right now. You're in a position of strength. Yeah. Where seems like. Yeah. And yeah, that's the other caveat to this is we're recording at 5.38 p.m. on Tuesday, July 5th. By the time people listen to this in 48 hours or maybe in two hours this will all be moot but right now it looks kind of like the pack 12 i don't want to call them bottom feeders because i just don't like that term and that's probably what people were calling texas tech last summer but washington state oregon state cal might be the ones on the outside looking in instead of yeah texas tech iowa state kansas state can we go through some first of all a timeline on how this all came together just real quick and then be I guess just go through some options of what might happen. Absolutely. There's lots of options out there. So timeline, first of all, is last July 27th, 26th, whenever it was, Texas and Oklahoma announced they're leaving. Or some guy in Houston at the Houston Chronicle announces they're leaving. Then it all comes out. That move that day spurned a Big 12 expansion adding four American Athletic Conference teams, which spurned an American Athletic Conference expansion where they added teams, which spurned a Conference USA expansion where they added teams, so on and so forth, all the way down to USC and UCLA saying, oh, wait, this Pac-12 doesn't care enough to make any moves? All right, we will go to the Big Ten. Uh, and there's also a $100 million valuation out there per team with the current Big Ten deal that is being worked, which is not finalized to my knowledge. Uh, so that also helped, but that timeline goes all the way back and it's all connected. Well, and in hindsight, the events of last summer make more sense from the standpoint of, I'm going to say the Pac-12, but really let's call it USC and UCLA deciding right. they do not want to expand. They don't want to get to... 20 teams by merging with the Big 12. They don't want to pick off the four best brands from the Big 12. And foolishly, the other 10 schools in the Pac-12 learned nothing from what Texas and OU did to the Big 12 and said, okay, yeah, we'll just, you guys are our conference overlords. We'll just do whatever you tell us to. Right. And I bet Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, well, and, and let's face it, all these programs that are about to join the Big 12 that aren't getting a Big 10 invite, they regret it as well. And because expansion a year ago for the Pac-12 would have probably meant a new TV deal. Like you're not adding teams for the last two years. You're probably signing an extended grant of rights. And there's something to be said for stability. Would their payout have rivaled what the SEC and Big Ten are about to make? No. 
But it, if you're Oregon State, at least you're in a Power 5 conference. And that was my whole beef with the Big 12 staying at 10 teams all this time. Right. You're the least stable. You're the most vulnerable. Because for whatever reason, you wanted to leave Cincinnati and BYU sitting there for a decade. And, and Louisville and anyone else that ever tried to get in. And again, in hindsight, it makes sense because Texas and OU were chasing a payday and had no interest in making this a stable conference long term. But why the other eight members just went along with that, I think they'll regret for a long time. And that's what I like to see now about this talk of, okay, we have 12. We could probably survive as a 12-team conference, but it sounds like probably at a minimum, we're going to go after the Arizona schools. Maybe we'll take four. Maybe we'll take six. And again, maybe you don't have 16 or 18 brands that rival what the Power 2 is forming up to be, but you have a stable conference. Like if you're sitting at 10 and two guys leave or get picked apart, suddenly you're on shaky ground. If you have 16 or 18 and two guys leave, you can manage. Yeah, and I I don't see Alabama and Georgia giving up the stranglehold in the SEC world anytime soon. Now, there have been other programs that have punched up every once in a while, but those two teams have been the top. And I don't see Ohio State giving up the stranglehold in the Big Ten at all. Now, there have been some other programs that have punched up. Um, I would love to see what they're going to do conference-wise with 16 now um, because it doesn't look like the Big Ten is expanding any further, which we'll talk about. But, yeah, I – this whole talk of everything's just going to the Big Ten and the SEC and they're the most important conferences and they make the most money. What's new about all that? Like It's just like people are just waking up today saying, oh, my God, the SEC is making more money than everyone. Uh, yeah. The Big Ten yeah. has been like you've you've been in a second tier to the entire playoff era. The Big Ten and the SEC have owned the playoff era. Yeah, so I mean, the playoff is about to head into its ninth season. And the Pac-12, correct me if I'm wrong, you can maybe fact check me, I think has made it twice, maybe three times. Oregon made it the first year. Yeah. Lost in the national championship game to Ohio State. I remember Washington making it one year. I can't remember if they made it twice. If they made it twice, they got their ass kicked both times. Yes. And the Big 12 has only ever had OU make it. Yes. And they haven't won a playoff game. And the so, ACC has only ever had Clemson make it, except for the year that Notre Dame was in the conference. And Florida State made it the very first year, right? They oh, lost to Oregon true. in the semifinal. Yes. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not new in that perspective. Like, OU might contend for a playoff spot from the SEC, but already, like, if Oklahoma State makes the playoff in whatever new format we're going to, that'll be just as brand new as it was if they made it in the old Big 12. Right, and that can't change till 2026, but I think it's the most important part of realignment. Everyone is trying to get their conferences in line before 2026. Yeah, and that's something that, I don't know, it almost makes too much sense. You just figure they're going to screw it up, but if you could work out a deal where Texas and OU leave one season early, and the Pac-12 is already their last season is right. 2023, last football season. We could sort this out if we could do it all diplomatically with the TV networks and the conference and say, okay, the big reset happens 24. in 2024. We'll do two seasons yeah. of this hodgepodge transitional phase. And then in 2024, we'll have a new Big Ten, a new SEC, a new Big 12. I hope it works out that way. 
but it hasn't in the past. Like when the Big 12 got picked apart, I think it was Nebraska and Colorado left first, and then right. Mizzou and A&M left the following year. It, it would be nice if the whole, whole sport and whole landscape reset at the same time, but we'll see. Okay, so how do you want to go through these scenarios? Uh, well, okay, let's start here because you're going to love this. Okay. And then I'll pick our first topic. And cherish this, save this recording forever, Rob, because this might not ever yeah. happen again. But I need to say that you were absolutely 100% right over the last 12 months, 11 months, however long this has been going on. Thank you. I wanted. I refrained, le- I refrained from asking at the top <laughs> of this podcast, do you still want to join the Pac-12? So I'm glad you're doing this. I wanted to go to the Pac-12 last summer with some combination of Houston, Oklahoma State, Kansas, whatever, because I thought that was the best option. I thought, okay, mm-hmm. the Big 12 is left for dead. Let's get into one of the power four just so that we have a seat at the table. But in hindsight, with how things have, unf- have unfolded, uh, we don't know yet if you'll get Oregon and Washington. We'll get into that later. You don't have USC, UCLA. But now it certainly looks like the Pac-12 will be no more. And you're still with some of the teams that I wanted you to be with all along. Oklahoma State, hopefully the two Arizona schools. Um, based on how much I loathe Colorado fans on Twitter so far, would love to be oh, in their conference. And Utah. And, you know, the way this is shaping up, Rob, again, maybe a topic for later in the episode, everybody thought, okay, four 16-team conferences, I think by the time the ACC gets rated, whether that's this year or in 14 years when that grant of rights is up, it might be a power three of 18 to 20 schools. And the Big 12, whether they lucked into it or they saw all of this coming, um, stands to be the third conference behind the Big 10 and SEC. And so... I like where this is headed. I don't love necessarily that you're in a conference with Cincinnati and UCF. Nothing against those schools, but it's right. The geography doesn't make sense. There's no history or tradition there. But if they're two of 18 or 22 teams that you wind up with and you're considered a power conference moving forward, sign me up. That is all I would have asked for last summer. So I went from being doom and gloom last year and I was looking for a way out of the Big 12. But the way the dominoes have fallen, I'm glad you're here. You're in a position of strength. It's worked out, I think, and again, a lot could change, but I think it's going to work out pretty good for you. So I have to tip my cap to you and say, you were right. I was wrong. Thank you. And hopefully everybody just fast forwarded through that and we never mentioned this again. What? I'm going to mention it all the time. Yeah, there's also the, the one episode where we were just like screaming at each other, where you were trying to convince me to be in the Pac-12 because the Big 12 couldn't make any money, which I, I do agree with. I think there's going to be a struggle to make money. Um. But let's go through maybe what's your dream scenario moving forward just for the Big 12. So let's go micro and just say, all right, with UCLA and USC moving to the Big 10, what is your dream for the Big 12, your best case scenario for the Big 12 and the Pac-12 here? I will answer that question. First, let me mention one more thing just to put a bow on the last topic. What you were trying to get me to see over the last year was that the Pac-12 does not care about sports. Right. And what I was trying to argue is, but they have the bigger brands right now. And I want Texas Tech to be aligned with the brands. Right. And I think we were both making good points there, but it reached a tipping point for me. And I tweeted this out already. The announcement of the Big 12 hiring Brett Yormark and the announcement of the Pac-12 after USC and UCLA left offered such a stark contrast. I was yes. like, okay, the Pac-12 is beyond saving. Even if you wind up with a majority of their teams, 
their leadership, their culture, their logo, their name cannot be associated with your new conference. No. Because they're out here tweeting about academic excellence. And yes. it's like the world has passed you by. You know, it's like a an advertisement. Like, oh, we need to get in the newspapers. Like, okay, there's social media, there's radio, there's podcasts. Yeah. Maybe there's a place for newspaper advertising. But the world of collegiate athletics has passed their leadership by. They're in the phone book. They're yeah. advertising in the phone book. Yeah, that's a better analogy. Yeah. yeah. They've got so, coupons in the back of the phone book is what so the Pac-12 is doing. Yeah, so give me Brett Yormark and the Big 12 adding two, four, six, eight Pac-12 schools, whatever it is, and looking toward the future of college athletics over Tech, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Houston bailing to the Pac-12 where the brands are great. You know, you have Oregon, whoever over there, but they have no clue. They don't see the writing on the wall, or if they see it, they just fail to acknowledge it. So my dream scenario right now is that Let's start with the Arizona schools. I think that's a slam dunk in terms of their enrollment, their regional fit, cultural fit. Yes. I think, and I think they, they provide a domino. Right. I think they care about winning more than Colorado does or Stanford yeah. or Cal for that matter. Or and improving so, in that line of thought. So they at least, even if they're not meeting their goals, they're at least going to try. They're not going to be dead weight. Like if you had Cal to the Big 12, they're not going to try to win the football. They're just not. Or if they do, that'll be, it'll be a new culture for them. Yeah. So, like you said, I think the Arizona schools are a domino that the Pac-12 can't recover from because they could maybe say right now, if Oregon and Washington stay in what is the Pac-10, maybe they say, hey, let's get to 12 so that we match the Big 12. We'll get Boise State and San Diego State. And maybe they say we're still on par with the Big 12 if that's the case. But if two more – current power five pac 12 schools leave yeah it's over and utah and colorado are on the next train out yeah so i think that's where you start those four the two arizona schools utah colorado that gets you to 16 if that's where the music stops i still think you're in a good position because a lot of these other conferences again for now because multiple dominoes will fall as the years go by or maybe weeks go by you have 16 the big 10 has 16 the sec has 16 you can say, okay, we're right there. The ACC has 14 plus Notre Dame right now. And the Pac-12 is is dead. What I would really hope is that you go one step further, and there's been credible reports out there that the Big Ten is done for now. They're waiting on Notre Dame. If Notre Dame says yes, then I guess they'll add one more dancing partner. I would guess that'd be Stanford, but I don't know all the factors at play there. I hope that you can hold Oregon and Washington's feet to the fire on this and say, Come with us now or risk the Big Ten not taking you or the SEC not taking you. And I would love to add those six in an ideal world. On one hand, I feel like it should have to unfold pretty quickly here just because other pieces have moved so quickly. Yeah. But if I'm Oregon and Washington, what's the hurry? If I'm in the Pac-12 through 2024, do I just hold out on – a Big Ten invite, if USC and UCLA are going to block other West Coast schools, do I try to pair up with Washington and go to the SEC so that they have a West Coast presence to rival the Big Ten? I don't know, but I hope that there's a scenario where they feel the pressure and they say, yeah, you know what, we're just going to take the Big 12 offer right now, and they come with the four corners schools. I think the immediate move, like this week immediate, is to get Arizona and Arizona State involved in the Big 12. Um, what's funny is Oregon is the biggest brand 
And Seattle is probably the biggest TV market, maybe besides Phoenix and Denver in the Pac-12 coming over that's available to come over. But I I think Oregon would always be looking for a way out of the Big 12. Like their leadership, I think Utah would buy in. I don't know that Utah fans would, but they're six years removed from whatever Mountain West hell they came from. So I don't really care what Utah thinks. Yeah, so, I, I'm going to go on a tangent here. Okay. The schools that we're rescuing from essentially Conference USA. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't care if you don't like what pod you get stuck in. You're about to make triple what you used to make. You have a seat at the table. You will be yeah. in whatever pod we tell you to be in. So all these like UCF, like this pod sucks for UCF. Sorry. Yeah. We could have well, left you at you're the in Orlando, you moron. Who else yes. do you want to be with? Sorry. And like Houston, I'm sorry. You don't get the same credibility as Baylor and Tech, who were charter members of the Big 12. Yeah. We're in the Southwest Conference for years before that with TCU. If we want to send you out east, we'll do it. And when I say we, I mean me and you as if we're the Big 12 commissioner here. But Right. Like, well, that's another thought process, even with Oregon. Like, I don't want Oregon coming in and saying, like, all right, the Big, the Big 12 is going to have to make concessions if they want us. No, no, we don't. No, we're done with that. Because, again, you're good at 16. If you just get exactly. the four corner schools, yes. you, do, you do not want another UT. I don't want any unequal uh, any unequal TV distribution for the revenue. I don't want anybody saying, well, we get this schedule or we get this many home games. Yep. We get our own network, any of that. Nope. Either Because, again, if the Big Ten and SEC don't want them, what is their alternative? Going they independent? Can, they can go independent if Phil Knight wants to foot that bill. Well, Oregon might be able to, but Washington wouldn't. No. So I have a question for you on this. I think we're in agreement on the four corners schools. Yes. Um, I think the next domino to fall nationally that's going to shape everything is what Notre Dame decides to do. Right. If they give some kind of commitment to the ACC, which I'm sure would include a huge concession monetarily, like they would get more money than everybody else in the ACC right? to hold that thing together, or they could go to the Big Ten or – I don't. I haven't heard this rumored, but why couldn't they just go to the SEC? You know, if, if the SEC started a bidding war with the Big Ten, right? Anyway, if Notre Dame goes to the Big Ten, uh, I saw Oregon rumored as a dancing partner for them. I think Stanford makes more sense from the academic standpoint, and they have a rivalry with Notre Dame, and they also offer to take like a third of the money. Yeah. Because they have Allegedly, a two, they have a two billion dollar athletic endowment. If they earn five percent of that yeah. a year, they're making hundred million anyway. Um, but what I'm getting at is, let's say it is Notre Dame and Oregon, or let's say Notre Dame and Oregon go to the SEC, or Oregon and Washington go to the SEC. Would you be interested after the four corner schools? Let's say Washington and Stanford are still there. Do you take those two without Cal, or do you just pass more or less? If you're at the four corner schools and and the other two conferences are getting bigger. Yeah, like let's say the so Big they're Ten at 18. goes let's say the Big Ten goes Notre Dame and Oregon to get to 18. Okay. And let's say the ACC for now, that grant of rights is not penetrable. So the SEC doesn't rate the ACC yet. And so the two big names left are Washington and Stanford. Do you want both or either of those? I think you either need to be to 18, get to 18 first, or just stay at 16 until everything else shakes out. And I 
think I know the answer to this, but let's say all three of Stanford, Oregon, and Washington go to the Big Ten with Notre Dame, and they're at 20. Do you add the – you don't have any interest in Cal, do you? No. Or if, or if Notre Dame stays with the ACC and Oregon and Washington go Big Ten, do you have any interest in Cal-Stanford as a pair? Here's the deal. If Big Ten goes to 21st and the SEC gets to 22nd by rating the ACC, it, 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 look, last week on KKM.com, the first day all this happened, I said that all four conferences that, that are left, the Big 12, the ACC would be kind of a second tier because um, they have to play somebody, the Big 10 and the SEC. So all four would be 20 teams, and there would be some movement. West Virginia would get poached by the ACC, and Clemson would go to the SEC, and there's just a clear marker, but there's some more regionality to it. Uh, but I don't know who the Big 12 would go and get to get to 20. So here's I what I would – I think San Diego State deserves maybe a look, but I don't, I don't, okay. Right now, the Power Five schools that are described as Power Five schools are 64 teams. In 2024, it's going to be, or even 2023, it's going to be 68 teams because of the four that the Big 12 are adding. Right. But if Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford don't, make a party that goes back to 64. So is there going to be four 16 team super teams or are you adding, are you adding schools to the quote unquote power conferences and East Carolina is going to get a call up and Memphis is going to get a call up and you're going to basically murder the group of five and say, all right, these 72 teams, these 80 teams are going to be split either 20 per or 18 per, and you're going to have four conferences that are going to play to a championship. I, I can't see that scenario. I mean, if the ACC gets rated now or in 2035, a year before their grant of rights is up, I don't see a way that it consolidates at anything besides two or three. Because at that point, let's just make this up real quick. Let's say Clemson, Florida State, go to the SEC. Big Ten takes North Carolina, Virginia. At that point, the ACC... The Big Ten wouldn't need any more because they already have 20. Well, okay, let's say say they're not taking Oregon and Washington and all that right now. Notre Dame's still independent? Uh, Yeah, sure. But but even then, then it would just be a race to 24 or whatever. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's a hard stop at any number at this point. So the Big Ten would just go Virginia, North Carolina. Uh, well, at, some, at some point you're, you're making less money per school because the benefit doesn't. Well, not really because it's not there. No, because everything ESPN is paying out to the ACC right now, if the ACC no longer exists, they don't have to pay out. And so you would have schools, what I would call middle tier schools from the ACC, Miami, Georgia tech, Virginia tech, NC state, Duke, Pitt left on the table, but like Boston College, Wake Forest, Syracuse are probably getting screwed in that deal. And they deserve it. Yeah. So I think it's it's further consolidation. I think you have teams losing power five status and because the ACC can't recover from that. If let's just say four schools leave, they're down to 10. They can't add 
Memphis and Coastal Carolina and Southern Florida to maintain power conference. Like, no, but as I, soon as that happens, as soon yeah. as the first two leave to the SEC and two to the Big Ten, the Big 12 takes Louisville, Virginia Tech, Pitt, and Miami, and there's three power conferences with 22 each or you know whatever it works out to be. I don't I see – yeah, I mean – And then if at that point, if the Big Ten and SEC want to say it's the power two – then they'll go to 24 or 28 or 30 each and poach the Big 12 at the same time they poach the ACC. I think it ends at two or three. I don't think it ends at four unless that ACC grant of rights is just ironclad and Notre Dame is there long-term. Then I think we say at a power four. Well, if Notre Dame really, joins the ACC, I think that bolsters what they want to do, obviously. Yeah. I think we can say at power four through the end of the ACC grant of rights – yeah, and if ESPN was smart, they could, you know, do whatever Notre Dame wanted and then own 32 teams immediately, uh, which is where I think it's going. I think it's going to be Fox versus ESPN, and you just kind of have to figure out. Now, that means the Big 12 has gotten a Fox deal, um, and allegedly Fox has said that they're going to be exclusive to the Big 10, uh, but I just don't see how that works. Uh, nightmare scenario. You want a nightmare scenario? Yes. No, but you can lay the it out nightmare scenario is that the Pac-12 enters an alliance with the ACC. Did you see this today from John Wilner? That the ACC and the Pac-12 will play regular season in their own conference and then play a conference championship between the ACC and the Pac-12. So it'll be a merger, but not a merger. That is a creative idea that might help them both maintain power status or, or whatever. But again, we go back to those dominoes. There's no Pac-12 for the ACC to play as soon as any one of Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah comes to the Big 12. Right. So th that alliance, maybe you look at Big 12 ACC, but there's no Pac-12 for the ACC to align with if any one of these dominoes falls. No, and just playing one extra game, just playing a conference championship game doesn't do anything. Right. And so I've been going in the order as well, talking about these dominoes of the Big 12 adding schools. But if Oregon or Washington and or Washington get the Big 10 invite first, same deal. As soon as that happens, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, Arizona State are going to bolt to the Big 12. Yeah. So it can be either one of the four corners or one of Oregon, Washington that leaves. Pac-12 is done at that point. They cannot backfill with Fresno and San Jose and call themselves a power conference. So, but the reporting I'm hearing is that Oregon's worth $35 million or whatever. And their grant of rights would only weaken the Big Ten's argument, which I don't understand because they're sitting there already willing to pay Rutgers and Maryland that paycheck. So, why would they not pay Oregon? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's because they were there grandfathered first. in. Yeah. It's wild. You know what else is wild, Rob? Just how good Rahino Barbecue is. Named to a top 50 list by Texas Monthly Magazine in 2021. Located in Alton, you and I went out a couple weekends ago, but they were also, they graced us with their presence in the parking lot at Cardinals um, last Friday. And went to First Friday Art Trail. Yeah. So mobile food truck now, you can catch them all over West Texas. I know they've been to Littlefield, Level Land, Plainview, here in Lubbock. So 
check them out. You can follow them on social media. They post mouthwatering stuff on Instagram at Rahino BBQ. Also, Rob, want to give a shout out to our friends at Diversified Lenders, diversifiedlenders.com, Red Raider football owned and operated, Cole Roberts, his dad, Don Roberts. They will help you get the working capital you need now. They offer factoring, invoice purchasing, equipment finance and leasing, asset-based lending, government finance, and leasing. So maybe some of these schools that pay out is a little less than what they wanted and they need cash now, they can hit up our friends at Diversified Lenders. Yes, they can. Do you want me to say something there? Uh, whatever you feel like saying. I, I thought you were going into your next thing. Hey, I just found a tweet in an article mm-hmm. from LSU Chancellor Michael Martin. This is a Richard Deitch article from uh, The Athletic. It says, LSU Chancellor Mike- Michael Martin says, I think we could ultimately end up with two conferences, one called ESPN, one called Fox. That was, that was October 24th, 2011. Yeah, I saw that tweet. And I... That is exactly where it's going. That's beautiful. I So I hope if that's the case, let me say this. A lot of Texas Tech fans and fans from other schools wildly overvalue and undervalue Texas Tech in this scenario. Yeah. The idea – so this was the attitude for a long time, and I hated this because I don't think it kept you on your toes enough. People are like, oh, Tech will be fine no matter what happens. We'll always have a seat at the table. Well, that looked pretty shaky last summer, and it might still be shaky. The other people just assume, oh, Texas bottom feeder, trash, doesn't add any value. If you lined up all 65 Power 5 schools, 68, Tech would be right in the middle. And I've looked at different metrics of uh, how you can quantify brand value. Tech is 32, 33. I mean, smack dab in the middle. I think, but I think if... The Big Ten and the, the SEC stopped at 20 apiece, you would be left out. Yeah, so here's what I was going to say. If it was a top 40, it'd be shaky only because some of these schools are grandfathered in. Yes. If if the whole thing started with a clean slate and we said there's going to be two. There's a fantasy draft. Yeah. You would be in the, you'd be right on the bubble for number 32, I think. Uh, if it was 48, you'd be a slam dunk. If it's 64, slam dunk times two. So – it does make me nervous that Mississippi State and Vanderbilt are grandfathered into this Wake Forest, Purdue, Northwestern, Rutgers, Oregon State right now. Right. So I hope that if we're actually going to do this and say only two conferences matter and they'll play for the national championship every year, whether that's 20 teams each, 24 teams each. Like they already do. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Um, I hope that they're willing to – uh, trim the fat a little bit, so to speak, and say, you know what? It's not really fair that Wake Forest gets to be part of this conference. Well, I got this question on the, on the same line of thinking. That sounds great for football or whatever, if you want to just make a 32-team or 48-team league separate from the NCAA. Right. If Louisville, Kansas, and Arizona and Duke aren't in that, do we just have a separate governing body for college basketball or – well, do we, the, the, do we just not care? No. Well, you already have a separate governing body. If if this happens, 
then the college football playoff will break off and have their own thing. And though that'll be the super conferences, then to the NCAA, I think every sport should have their own conferences. Here's, I mean, long gone are the days of, of every conference weaving in its whatever, and every school doesn't play every sport. And if you're what I'm getting at, money, though. you're not going to get to everything. Okay, but here's what I'm getting at. Duke football gets left out of this equation, probably. Duke is eligible for a national championship in basketball, but like isn't even in the league for football. Like I know Duke isn't competing for football national championships right now, but if they went 13-0 and in the ACC, they would play for one. So Arizona, Kansas, and Duke, won't compete for a football national championship, won't even be allowed to, but those will be the blue bloods carrying the banner for whichever entity is awarding the college basketball national championship. Yes. I don't see that working. Belmont can play. The St. Bonaventure Bonnies can play for a basketball championship. They can't compete for a football championship. That's the way it already is. There are 300 baseball programs available to win the conference championship or the, the national championship in baseball, there's 130 in football. That's the way right. it already is. Well, yeah, but but only to an extent. Like No, not entire- to an extent. There's 130 yes. teams in football. Well, hang on. There are 200-plus in basketball, and there's 300 in baseball. That's how whatever, it is. Whatever you want to call it, though, high major, power five, every single one of them, as long as they're sporting a team, like I know Iowa State that I'm a baseball team, everybody in the power five competes for the same football championship, same basketball championship, same baseball championship. I don't see this working where like Arizona, Duke, and Kansas are cutting down the nets in whatever is deemed the basketball national championship, but those guys don't even have a football team playing in whatever league awards the football national championship. Why? I just don't see a world where that is sustainable. Okay. Like if all of them are in the Big 12 – you say the Big 12 isn't on par with the Power 2. Okay, the Big 12 is winning the Natty in basketball every year, but they're not allowed to compete for football, Natty? Well, in your scenario, if it's 32 teams or whatever, and you pair down to 16, the 16 best football brands and they play for their own national championship, do you know what will happen for the next 70 teams? There will be the NCAA national championship game, and you'll compete for that one, and there will be two separate playoffs. And the big wigs go off and do their own thing. And it's simulcast on ESPN and Fox. And they're all making $100 million for their football program. And you're competing for the, the Sugar Bowl because it's okay. still owned by the, SEC, the, the NCAA or whatever. All right. So let me ask you this, Rob. Which entity that tried to compete with the NFL by creating a semi-pro or an alternate pro football league succeeded? Uh, which... Which Lee came in with 100 years of tradition and uh, proven eyeballs that already watched their product more than the NFL in some cases. It doesn't matter. I'm like the fact is, you can you can whittle this down to 20 teams if you want to, and just you're say, kind of putting me into a place where I'm trying to argue for it. I don't I don't want to see that. I already told you I want 70 teams or whatever to make the cut, and that to be the line. Because you already you already only have 64 teams competing for the championship, 65, 66, whatever it is. You have one AAC team a year that punches up or or Boise State. You have Notre Dame, and then you have all the power five teams that have an opportunity. If San Diego State goes undefeated, they don't have a shot at it. They will not be in the playoff. Yeah, I just don't think it's sustainable. So right now you only have 64 teams. That's fine. Whatever I, it is. I just don't think it's sustainable, though. Like the SEC can add 
None of this is sustainable. That's why it changes so much every year. So let's say there's 24 teams that matter in the power two, whatever the hell they come up with, 32 teams. How many teams matter today? Hang on, Rob, let me make a point. (laughs) Ohio State's going to finish 12th in that conference one year. Yeah. And they're going to go, what the hell are we doing? And they have all these money to pay all the coaches, and apparently that's going to be a big disparity because how can Texas Tech afford to keep a 10-win coach here? What are they going to pay him? Twenty million to lose seven games? Somebody has to lose seven games. Yeah. In a sixteen-team SEC, one of these teams mathematically has to finish in the lower half every year. Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, Texas, A and M, OU, Tennessee, LSU. Pick your next best one. Like, right. I just rattled off nine. One of them has to finish ninth out of sixteen. How yeah. long are they going to do that? And I know oh. they're cashing checks, and that's all that matters. Right. They're going to fire their coach for going eight and four, pay Gus Malzahn $25 million to get seventh place in the SEC. What are we doing? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, what I'm saying, we're both saying that that's not a good model, and we're both saying it's not going to work. So I don't. Here's where I think we're headed temporarily until okay. the next seismic shift. Agree or disagree, anytime realignment like this happens, we kind of start at a certain place and there's one or two teams that make a move. And while there are future dominoes that fall, we also reach a point where like, this could be the end of the Big 12. And then it kind of like settles and it's like, oh, the Big 12 added four teams and they're still there. I think we're like reaching that fever pitch right now. Like the SEC is going to deliver the kill shot to the ACC and then it'll just be the power two. And it's probably not going to wind up that way, at least not yet. I think the ACC survives. I think their grant of rights holds them together. I think the Big 12 survives. I think the Pac-12 is probably toast. And I think you have a power four, but like a 2A and 2B for the next 10 to 12 years. And what I hope they do is lean into um, scheduling alliances so that Kansas and Missouri can play again. Georgia, Georgia Tech can play, all that. What I would really love to see, and this is too creative, it's too innovative for anybody associated with college football to ever do it, relegation style. 12-team playoff, SEC sends four, Big Ten sends four, each of the two little conferences send two apiece. If you're one of those two, you get called up into the your corresponding Big Ten or SEC the next year, and you stay there unless you finish in the bottom two. And you let's do that. Now, I know there's all this tradition – and how can you relegate if you're not a an AAU member and the Big Ten won't let you in? Let's get rid of that. Because the would, academics don't matter. That would create so much intrigue. Like you can call Mississippi State and Iowa State and whoever bottom feeders, but if they're at five and six and like the egg bowl is for relegation, tell me people wouldn't want like I've seen soccer fans in Europe rush the field and riot because their team avoided relegation. Right. They're not going to be playing for a natty. They're not going to be playing for a conference championship. But you win that sixth game to avoid relegation and everybody goes crazy. I think that's cool. And so I would love to see a power four structure with like a 2A and 2B conferences. And there's relegation. There's playoff slots allotted to each of them. There's some regional agreement where the geography makes a little bit of sense. But I don't think that'll happen. I think I don't think relegation will happen. It's a brilliant idea. I love it. I, I think it, I and think it's beautiful. One more but thing. I do think I do think the rest of what you said is going to happen. I think there's going to be the Big Ten and the SEC, and then I think the Big Twelve and the ACC or whatever it is, the Big Pack, 
in the ACC, and then I think you're going to settle in. I think maybe two or three more teams move after the four corners join the Big 12, but I don't, I don't think there's going to be this ever-ending Big 10 SEC move because there's just not that many more schools unless they start kicking schools out. And if you kick out Maryland and Rutgers and uh, schools like that, where are they going to go? They're going to go to the ACC. If you kick out Nebraska, they're going to go back to the Big 12. So there's always going to be a certain amount of schools. And like at some point, the TV contracts are going to say, yeah, we're giving you $15 billion or $1.5 billion a year. There's no more money. And also, you know, we don't have a whole lot of history to draw on here in terms of conference realignment. Like this happens once a decade or whatever. But Temple got kicked out of the Big East for having crappy facilities and putting a poor product on the field. Yeah. What happens when, when you make $100 million a year and you're Nebraska and you go three and nine, and okay, you've got all this tradition, you've got 85,000 people there to watch, you made $100 million, your coach makes $16 million a year, Yeah. and you go two and ten. Again, how is that tolerated? Like right now, our coaching contract's crazy. Yeah. But it's because people will pay market rate for Dabo and Nick Saban. They make nine million a year, but they're winning natties. Right. If you give each school a check for a hundred million dollars a year, they're going to pay their coach twelve million dollars to do nothing, and that's just going to be the going rate. Like, sorry, nobody makes less than eight million anymore. Right. Yeah, it's all dangerous. I mean, I, I'm not saying this is all good, but I think paring down the Power Five into a Power Four. And expanding the playoff in 2026, because I think however the conferences land before 2026 is just how they're going to be for a while. In yeah. my opinion, and this is all—all all these moves are to readjust what the playoff is. Is what well, I think. Okay, and, I, and I've seen this take. Why would the Big Ten and SEC support an expansion of the playoff if it stays at four teams? They're the only ones who get in. That's true, but okay. Let's say you're USC in the new Big Ten. Four teams make the playoff. You get third place in the Big Ten, a loaded right. conference. You have a great year. You go eleven and one and finish third place in the Big Ten. You get left out of the playoff. Don't you think they probably want the playoff at eight or twelve at that point? They're going to expand the playoff, but I think the the conversation I've heard most is there's not going to be like there's going to be zero automatic qualifiers. It's just going to be the top eight teams. I would I would hate that a little bit. Absolutely, but. If there's four conferences, maybe you get four automatic qualifiers, and then, and then the rest of it fills in. But give the SEC because, all the at-large bids you want. I don't care because the AAC and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 voted no last year to not expand, and to, because they didn't want automatic qualifiers, they've screwed themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and the TV networks have to see the writing on the wall here as well. If the SEC plays each other all year. And then you let an eight and four LSU squad into a 12 team playoff right. to play a bunch of teams they already lost to. People like me won't watch. Right. But it, you've but already if, seen those games. But if Arizona State is playing Texas Tech for a spot, a guaranteed spot in the college football playoff, a lot of people will tune in, yes. both from those schools and nationally. Because, like, same way I would do if the SEC title game is for a spot in the playoff, I'll watch. Yeah. But if it's like, hey, it doesn't matter if we go 12 and 0, they're going to let eight and four LSU in. Why would I watch? Exactly. Hey, if you were going to challenge the ACC's grant of rights and you needed an attorney to help 
navigate that process and you wanted your best shot of winning that case, who would you call? I know exactly who I'd call, Kyle. Barnett, Howard, and Williams. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Law firm oh, started did you by to say that. Oh, yeah. I was kind of trying to oh, set sorry. you up there, but oh, I can bad. take it. That's all right. Law firm started by three Texas Tech grads. Um, I wonder what conference, you know, they will have graduated from, uh, you know, a week from now. Graduates of the Big Pack 18 conference, potentially. Officed in Fort Worth, but they handle cases all across the state of Texas. They're one of the only law firms in the Lone Star State, certified for Title IX student representation. They've defended students, including scholarship athletes, in Title IX litigation at all the major universities in Texas. They also handle catastrophic injury cases. And for listeners in the Fort Worth area, they handle criminal defense and family law matters. They hope you never need them, but they are in your corner if you do. You can find out more about Barnett, Howard, and Williams by visiting their website, bhwlawfirm.com. A couple things I want to talk about, and I realize this might be turning into a marathon episode, is let's assume for now you get either the four corner schools or the four corner schools plus Oregon and Washington. Okay. Where do you want the Big 12 Conference headquarters? Where do you want conference football championship games? Where do you want conference basketball tournaments? Yeah. And also, do we have any thoughts after the developments? Because you and I talked about this when your mark was hired, but that was before USC, UCLA bolted to the Big Ten. What are we thinking in terms of network partners, streaming partners? Before we get to that, want to give our friends at Code Ninjas a shout out. Their summer camps are going on right now. And according to our sources with the 23 Personnel podcast, the Ninos are having a great time at Code Ninjas summer camps. They're for kids ages 5 to 14, and Code Ninjas will teach them how to level up their coding, STEM, and engineering skills in a fun, hands-on environment. Our listeners can get $10 off any of the Lubbock summer camps by using the promo code GAUCHOS at checkout. They can do all kinds of things, build a YouTube channel, create their own video game, all kinds of stuff I wish I'd learned when I was a kid, Rob. CodeNinjas.com. 806-370-0022. Give them a follow on Twitter as well, at Code Lubbock. And again, the promo code for $10 off any summer camp at the Lubbock location is Gauchos. Okay. How do you spell Gauchos? Because a lot of people spell it wrong. And they say it wrong. It's G-A-U-C-H-O-S. Yeah, Gauchos. Not Grouchos. Conference headquarters, keep it where it is. I said today Las Vegas, but really, I think Dallas is a pretty good hub for the conference. Um, It's already there. And unless you're adding Oregon and Washington, uh, but even even when you add Oregon and Washington and Orlando's there, it's like in the middle of those schools. I was and looking at the have, map, and then you have West Virginia to Arizona. I was looking at the map, and it's of course a huge map if you do go Orlando to Seattle. Honestly, Lubbock is like pretty close to the middle, which is <laughs> funny because you've been on the western edge of the Big right. Twelve for so long. Right. It's kind of funny that like all of a sudden you'd be oh right in the middle of the mountain schools and the schools on the plains and the ones like Cincinnati out there. It's almost like they'd be the hub city. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I don't think you'd be the conference headquarters. I'm fine with keeping it in Dallas. Um, Vegas is intriguing, but again, I want to get as far away from the Pac-12's brand and culture 
of academic excellence as like NIL yeah. and conference realignment is happening. Well, nothing screams academic excellence like going to Las Vegas. Right. Yeah. All about the student athlete experience. Yeah. But I do think Las Vegas should feature prominently in a rotation of conference championship games and tournaments for football and basketball. For basketball, 100% agree. I think I think baseball has found its home. Let me get back to that. I think baseball has found its home um, in Arlington. And maybe if you go between Phoenix and Arlington, if you want to, and and host at Chase Field and and Dallas, you should never go back to Oklahoma City. Here's why. If it rains, you're screwed. And you have to get back and you miss games and you come back and you figure out what all the SEC is doing. They played like a third of the games or whatever. Or didn't play at all or or just played and then played into the tournament and you waste a bunch of time and you ruin your arms before you go try to win a national championship. So to me, play it inside. Don't mess with the rain. Just prepare for Omaha. Uh, and I love playing at big league parks. And I know it's not like it's it's not going to look full, but you can still get eight thousand people in there, and that's more than you could get at Choctaw or wherever they play it. Football. Here's here's my thing. If you could find markets and you could, you know, put it in some pretty central locations in a rotation, okay. If you're going to Legion, if you're going GEHA Field in Kansas City, and if you're going Arlington, and it's those three are rotating, and you're playing at three NFL stadiums and it's Big 12 Championship, okay. Otherwise, just play at Jerry World. So I think in the old Big 12, the original Big 12, I liked the system of rotating the football game. I was looking, I was doing some historical homework. And Kansas State played OU for a Big 12 title at Arrowhead. Yeah. And Texas played Colorado for a Big 12 title at Reliance Stadium. I'm for when you're as geographically small as the Big 12 is right now, I think that teams just made an agreement among the sports. Football will be in Dallas. Baseball will be in Oklahoma City. Basketball will be in Kansas City. And that's the way it was for the longest time. I thought that was pretty fair. It worked okay. Had no real gripe with that. If you do have a conference that spans from Salt Lake City to Orlando or Seattle to Orlando, and then in the opposite corners from Phoenix to Morgantown, West Virginia, I think you need to throw different sets of geography a bone. Um, I'm cool with sort of, I I think, a three-year rotation. Once a little bit out west, once in the central, once a little bit out east. I would love to see... First off, I'm with you on baseball. I think that that's a good idea to keep it indoors. Maybe that's just a two-site rotation between Phoenix and Dallas. Yeah. I Nothing is popping to my head in between like the I-35 corridor in Cincinnati or Morgantown that would be a good ballpark to play in. No. But how many teams, Rob, in the current Big 12 or in the future Big 12 are in the state of Missouri? Okay, go on. Zero. Yet you play your Big 12 conference tournament for basketball there. Right. I don't have an issue with that. Some people look at that and go, why are you playing in a state you don't even 
because it's so close to right. Kansas, Kansas State, and Iowa State that it makes sense. Go with me here. Could you play the Big 12 basketball conference tournament at the FedEx Arena in Memphis to throw those Eastern schools a little bit of a bone, even though you don't have any Tennessee teams in the conference? Um, I think you could find a better place probably. Because I'd be open-minded to that and rotating it there, Kansas could City. You, I mean, could you play it in Cleveland? You're at least in Ohio. Oh, hey, maybe. Yeah, you're pretty close still to Iowa State, Cincinnati, West Virginia. It's not terribly close for UCF. But, yeah, maybe. So I'd be, I, I would want one of those sites. Let's call it Cleveland or Memphis. Maybe it switches between those two on the third year that it's supposed to be out there. Mm-hmm. And then you keep Kansas City, maybe Dickey's Arena or the American Airlines Center for the Central and then West, you play in Phoenix or Vegas, something like that. For football, I love the idea of Vegas, Jerry World. I don't know, is it the Liberty Bowl in Memphis? Again, I'm sort of stuck on this Memphis thing. Is that risky to play in outdoors? I, I don't think championship you, in December. No, fo- I mean, football's football. You play in the weather. Tell that to the guys from Orlando. Like, well, I don't know if they want to. This is the Big Bowl Championship <laughs> we're talking about. Um, no, I, I don't. I you don't need to throw them a bone just because they're way over there. Okay. You have to go toward most of the conference. Uh, I think Jerry World is a great spot. I think Allegiant Stadium is wonderful. I think it would be great to be back in Arrowhead, especially with Patrick Mahomes um, being the face of the franchise and Texas Tech being on the wall there. In, in so, advertising. So maybe instead of throwing the Eastern schools a bone, at least until we poach the ACC in a few years, you do right. a North for the Kansas schools and Iowa schools and Cincinnati, a South for the Texas schools and a West to keep a footprint in Vegas, Phoenix, Denver. Cause yeah, then you and, can play like an arrowhead Jerry world in a legion right. could be your three rotation for football. And these are international airports that can facilitate charter planes coming in. So it's not like, if you're like, it's the same plane from Orlando to Memphis than it is from Orlando to Dallas. So like, I don't think you're really struggling there. And if you were really smart about it, again, a lot of people in this industry have not proven themselves to be smart, but like if football was in Vegas, you would do basketball in Dallas that year, baseball in Kansas city. Right. And you would, so that Vegas doesn't have all three one year and so right. on and so forth. And you just stagger it that way so that, okay, well, we got to go all the way to Phoenix for the baseball tournament, but the basketball tournament is in DFW this year. Something like that. Be smart about it. Yeah, and if there were three options um, for each one, you could certainly do it that way. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if Cleveland working on the basketball rotation. If you're just doing three, I think it would probably be the best to do it at Dickey's Arena. But American Airlines Center is awesome. Yeah, I, I just um, I'm not just, hung up on the that the time of year though. You also have to just you know schedule. You just have to time it with an NBA yeah. road trip uh, if you're going to play at FedEx or American Airlines. But I'm just not hung up on oh well, there's no school in that state, like because there's still going to be a lot of Pac-12 alumni and viewers in Vegas, and there's right. going to be people in Memphis, Cleveland, whoever that you want to see the Big 12 brand like. You want them to grow up to be Cincinnati, West Virginia fans. So what's wrong just, with Missouri? Not just automatically Ohio State fans. Oh, I'm cool with I'm cool with Kansas City. Okay. I've I've never been, 
But people who have been to the Big 12 basketball tournament tell me it's a great time, that Kansas City is a good host city. And it, so if again, you could only have if you could, if it had to be there and then Arlington was the was the just the baseball host every year, which I think they'll yeah. go back to Oklahoma City. But if if Arlington hosts that every year, if Kansas City hosts the basketball every year, are you putting football in Vegas just to kind of even that out? Maybe. Um, again, if you wanted to be really creative and innovative, why wouldn't you prepare two host sites for the conference championship game in football? Say if the let's say the number one seed gets to pick from these two sites. You can pick either Vegas or Memphis. That way, if, if UCF is the one seed, they pick Memphis. If Colorado is the one seed, they probably pick Vegas. Something like I that. Think, or, yeah, I think everyone would pick Vegas. Or you say Dallas. I don't think UCF would want to sign up to go host it in Vegas when they're alumni. I think you would. It's just as easy to fly to Vegas as it is to fly to Memphis. Not from Orlando. Probably easier. Probably easier. No. 100%. Yes. I that. I do. Vegas, oh, you're wrong. there's you're flights wrong. to Ve- every single airport has a flight to Vegas. There's also a ton into Memphis because of FedEx. I guarantee you there's a direct from Orlando to Memphis. I guarantee you there's a direct from Orlando or, to Vegas. Or let's call it Nashville and play at the Titans Stadium. Okay, that's better. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the Liberty Bowl. Let's play at the Titans Stadium. Yeah, no, I, nobody's picking the Liberty Bowl over Allegiant Stadium. Because if Cincinnati is the one seed, they want to play in Nashville. They have sure. more alumni in the Kentucky, Ohio oh, I'm area. Much, I'm much more apt to go to Nashville than at Memphis. So you say that every year. Say these are the two host sites, or maybe it's Dallas and Kansas City. And if K State is the one seed, they're going to pick Kansas City. If I was going to say Oklahoma State, they're kind of in between. If TCU is the one seed, they're going to pick Jerry World, of course. Yeah, I don't. I don't think now that might be great, and the Big Twelve might say that, but I don't know that the the sites would say that. Like yeah. Jerry World's not going to be like, I'm not going to wait and. Yeah, he, he was out on something like I want confirmation yeah. that he pre prior. That that's a good point. He would want you to book, and you'd, yeah. you'd, you'd basically have to pay him either way, which is probably not a right. financially smart thing. To do. I mean, it's a cool uh, an idea, but I, I don't think that's feasible. Okay, network partners. What are you thinking now? Um, I want some combination, and I don't like this. I don't like this. I think Fox does a shitty product. Sorry, Kyle's mother-in-law, <laughs> but I I think I'm leaning toward aligning with Fox because ESPN holds both SEC and ACC cards, and so I would align with Fox if I could, and then the dream, I think, would be Amazon Prime getting a bunch of other, like being your third tier, second tier, third tier option. Uh, but the problem is that the conferences, like they do with ESPN Plus, would have to provide their own broadcasters. And some of the product is just brutal. And I don't know if everyone would care enough to have a good product, um, especially if you're having, like, they cut budgets because, oh, we're making this much money, but we're not going to spend this because it's cutting into our overhead or whatever. Um, so I think you have to get Apple Plus or ESPN, not ESPN, or Amazon or some other brand in there. Now, if you could have, if you could do Fox, here's the dream for the big 18. Fox is your main hustle. CBS for a game of the week, plus some um, Paramount Plus games. 
And then your third tier is all Amazon or Apple or Netflix, whoever is going to bite the bullet and want into the college football space. I'm struggling with two things on this. Uh-huh. First and foremost, if we're headed toward a power two with two super leagues, one ESPN, Which, one Fox. Yeah. I don't want to be Fox's secondary or ESPN's secondary conference where they just promote the crap out of the SEC. SEC's right. on ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, while the Big 12 is on ESPN Plus and ESPN. I don't want that. I don't want, I don't want to be on ESPN. I want to go a different route and say CBS, NBC, plus your streaming platforms, Peacock and Paramount Plus. Because isn't Paramount Plus affiliated with CBS? Yeah, only if Notre Dame is fully in a conference and not with NBC anymore. Right. Yeah, that would be a hurdle. I would rather go a a third route there. Um, NBC and CBS for the game of the week is on every television set in the country, whether you cable or YouTube, Hulu, stream. Yeah. So you you would get a lot of eyeballs on your game of the week. The, The problem with like FS1 or even ESPN to an extent, if somebody has five channels, they don't have ESPN. But like NBC, CBS are on every single basic cable package. Right. Or, or not even cable, just you know, if you've got an antenna. Yeah, and you could say CBS and Paramount Plus, and then NBC and Peacock. And that way you say, hey, you give us 15 per school. CBS will give us 15 per school. That's 30. Uh, and then Apple TV will have third tier, and they'll get ten per school. Here's what I struggle with, though. I don't know. There's if, forty. I don't know if a streaming partner is going to let you also be carried on one of their competitors. Like if if Peacock wants to break into live sports, are they going to let Netflix carry your third tier rights? Yes. Why? Because it's exclusive third tier. Maybe you, you might be right. I'm just yeah. I'm I'm working through it, and so I, I mean you already you're already on competitors with Fox and ESPN. You already do both. And if I've also seen that after the USC UCLA move, Apple is now very interested in bargaining with the Big Ten. If that's true, I again I don't want to be Apple right. TV's secondary. No, you have to be so, first. The other thing that's intriguing, I think there's some sort of partnership i don't know if the same company owns all this but like during march madness every year you're on cbs tnt and tbs yeah that's turner broadcast sports yeah is that an option where you got okay hey good idea i've said this before okay uh so let's say from june to halloween what do tbs and tnt air i couldn't tell you AEW wrestling and whatever else, right? Like yeah, there's only, no live sports. I only okay, watch those during March up, Madness and right. NBA Finals or NBA playoffs. Well, right. Well, and the NBA picks up at the end of October or yeah. even for, or even later now. Didn't they start on Christmas this year? Uh, yeah, Something but I think crazy? that was a. I think that was going back to the COVID? COVID year. Yeah. Whatever it is, and then hockey, like the first two months of hockey and NBA, NHL and NBA don't matter. So what if you could say, hey, TBS, TNT, CBS, let's go the distance. Let's get into college sports and air Big 12 games all year long on TNT and TBS and then CBS on the weekend. And then your third tier, you have a game or two on CBS. uh, You have the Paramount Plus. And then if you also had a game of the week on NBC, uh, then you could just get in with those two and 
I don't know. Is that 40, 50, 60 million dollars a team? I don't know. I want to get to that as far as what you how you reason what you think will be worth. But the other thing I just thought of is NBC not only has Peacock as a streaming partner, but I know there are NASCAR races used to be, maybe their contract is new, but on NBC sports. And I don't think that that's as prevalent as Fox sports and FS1 right now, but if they wanted to build that up and say, there's live college sports on NBC sports game of the week is on NBC and you can stream everything on Peacock. Maybe they're robust enough as a singular platform to cover all the bases, but that is definitely how I'm leaning right now. My friend NBC or CBS with Peacock or Paramount. If you can get a, a secondary streamer in there, especially if you do wind up with some Bay area, West coast type schools and their alumni is chairman of the board at Amazon. Okay. If Amazon wants to overpay and we're stuck with Cal, so be it. Like I'm fine with that. Right. I think so. You've been more fine if it was Stanford, but I still don't want Stanford. Maybe you have to take them as a pair. I don't know. I just see how those dominoes fall, but you would get tiger woods as a big 12 legend. Big 12 legend Tiger Woods. Yeah. You've tweeted out 70 million as a figure. Did you just pull that out of thin air? Is there any logic behind that? Because 100 million (laughs) is what's being rumored for the Big 10 per school payout. Okay. So this is a future number. I don't think this is going to be your first number. Uh, But post um, playoff expansion, if what I think is true, it happens. If the Big 12, the ACC are kind of second fiddle to the Big Ten, and the SEC. I just think that the Big 12 has the opportunity to eat the Pac-12's money. And if that's $300 million, then add that to the $500 million that the Big 12s are, are worth. That's $800 million for 16 schools plus some kind of creative streaming thing. Now, I think $70 million is only available if you get Apple or Netflix to wildly overpay or Amazon to overpay to get in the college sector. And they might. But I mean, they're I, only, they are only overpaying if you are first. Well, and that's where I think this consolidation works to your benefit. Like if there are five Power Five conferences with five different TV deals, right. it's easier for, let's say, Amazon to get in on one of those. If there's the Power Three Okay, one of them is Fox, one is ESPN. Then you've got Amazon, Netflix, CBS, NBC in a bidding war. Yeah. And I don't even like the term overpay. Like, you're worth whatever they'll pay you. Exactly. That's where I got the 70 from. I, and it's, that's like perfect scenario. I said it easily on there. That was a touch of just dramatic. But <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't. No. Dramatize. No, no, or no hyperbole. Uh, no. No. But I, but I do think you are. I think 55 million is low. For what you're, what you can do, and I think if you end up at 55, and Rutgers is making 110, like what are you even doing? Yeah, again, I think that that's where some of this is not sustainable. Like the, right. especially the streaming partners, because because Rutgers was added to the Big Ten in a world where TV markets really were the sole metric, right? And, and you that's still, yeah, and that still matters. But if nobody in New York is tuning in to watch Rutgers, it doesn't really like, yeah, you have the Big Ten network carried in New York. Right. No, nobody's tuning in to watch Rutgers. So, no, I, I see this all the time with, oh, well, like TCU and the DFW market. Texas Tech has more viewers in the DFW market than TCU does. And so I think, especially if you do go to a streaming model for this, 
and the streaming companies can see like people are signing up like Texas Tech's 300,000 living alumni are buying our streaming platform so they can watch Texas Tech sports. Nobody's signing up to watch Baylor or TCU, at least not at the same rate. Right. I would almost love to see a model where you get what you're worth. Like if you bring in 50,000 Paramount subscribers, you get like paid you out a check. A, you could check a box that says I'm watch. I'm signing up for Paramount for Texas Tech athletics. Yeah. So so that if Texas Tech and Oklahoma State get fifty thousand Paramount subscribers each, and Baylor and TCU bring in fifteen thousand combined, why should they get the same payout as you? And why should Rutgers double you when literally no one is watching Rutgers football? Well, I agree with that, but I also don't want the again. I don't want preferential treatment, like we said at the top of the episode. I, is that preferential treatment? I mean, I think you're getting into a dangerous conversation where you sound like a longhorn saying, well, it's not preferential. It's just what we're worth beyond what everyone else. Rob, look, it's not Texas Tech's responsibility (laughs) to put TCU and Baylor on our backs and carry those poverty programs. Right. I understand that, Kyle, but I I, I don't want to get into that. But like if if we're living in a world where TCU is making 45 or 50 and Tech was making 60 because they brought that extra values, that's so bad. Everybody gets the same baseline. It's almost like a commission structure. Everybody gets the same baseline. But if you can prove yeah, I don't know. more, then... Right, but I don't know. Do you trust all the living alumni to ch- check the box that says Texas Tech and for the payouts to be on that? Well, I'll say something on that. Or can, you just, can you just see the analytics that say, hey, this guy's watching a bunch of Texas Tech stuff. We'll notch the his. Well... So Aaron Dickens touched on this a little bit, I think is what you're getting at, that winning sort of cures all ills. Like Clemson is in the ACC, which is not one of the power two, but they've won national championships. Yeah. When Texas Tech was winning in 2008, and I know that's a high mark to attain again, they were one of the most five or ten viewed programs in the country that year, if I'm not mistaken. Now, you came off your best decade in program history with your worst decade in program history but you still haven't fallen far behind if at all some of your peers in the big 12 right i think if we live in a world where joey's going eight and four nine and three right three or four years you are among the most watched programs in the new big 12 and probably one of the top 2025 in the ncaa no that's not what i was saying oh okay sorry i was saying uh my dad mark bro uh if I told him, hey, go sign up for Paramount Plus, but make sure you check the Texas Tech box, he would call me seven times to figure <laughs> out what the heck I even mean. No, okay, so you don't have like, to do it, it that would way. Just be, it would just be viewership, like, hey, this guy's watching Texas Tech every time he turns on Paramount Plus. Like, that's that's where we're putting that. Yeah, I watched okay. I watched 30 Texas Tech baseball games on ESPN Plus last season. Like, Right, they, so it would they just would be know. an analytics thing. Yeah. Gotcha. I think so. As long as you could effectively here's like the one caveat i have with streaming this is less of a big deal but people used to just pull the viewership and they're like look texas and OU get 10 million viewers tech and iowa state get zero right okay well texas and ou were on abc in prime time right tech and iowa state were on fox sports 3 at 10 a.m you can't compare those right but like what i found when i was adjusting it like let's take texas and OU out of the equation and look at the hateful eight when they played each other if you controlled for time of day and network, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State were at the top. So as long as they could account for that and say, okay, Texas Tech does better across all 11 a.m. kickoffs, 
and all 2.30 p.m. kickoffs, then I think that they would benefit from that model. Because it's the same with Houston. Yeah. Large alumni base because they have a ton of students, about the same amount as you, I think. More. They're in a big market. Right. But there's a reason they can't sell out a 40,000-seat stadium because they don't care about Cougars athletics. Right. So when they're in the new Big 12 with you and it's time to sign up for Paramount or Peacock, whatever it is, more tech alumni are going to do it than Houston alumni. And I think we should be rewarded for that to some extent. Yeah, I think there's certainly a, a boost or a, a bump, but I, I think that could even come in like, as you said, a commission and everyone gets a flat rate. Everyone yeah. gets 55 and then, hey, the top five schools get an extra two and a half million um, yeah. on top. Because I think that would allow a school like Oregon, the Big 12 doesn't have to make a ton of concessions, but Oregon would get that commission on right. on streaming downloads, and so would maybe a Texas Tech or Kansas if they like just blew up during basketball season every right. year. Well, and you would have to you would have to have everybody on the streaming platform the same amount. Because like right now, Kansas football has more games on ESPN Plus than anyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. I don't. So I don't know. Would Oregon say, "Nah, I don't want the bonus. I just want to be on CBS three times." Yeah, I don't know. I'm just shooting from the hip here. Yeah, me too. We're all just figuring it out. Uh, but I also think that it all starts with Arizona and Arizona State. Yeah. If they jump, if they're officially extended and, and jump in the next week, I think that Colorado and Utah are, are quick behind. But I don't, I don't really see the need for Oregon and Washington to make their decision until next offseason. Yeah, I just think it's a at what point does the Big 12 play hardball and say, okay, good luck. Like, we're, mo- we're going to sign a grant of rights with 16 teams. Yeah. If y'all don't make it into the Big 10, have fun being an independent. Did you hear the report that the Big, the Pac-12 um, st- tried to renegotiate today with their yes. grant of rights? And the Fox was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, know what the, face. I don't know what the Pac-12 is doing. I also saw a bunch of reports today that had the quote, uh, George Klykoff is kicking butt right now. <laughs> In what world? I don't know. In what world is George Klykoff doing anything reasonable that a, that a reasonable human being would say the Pac-12 is really killing it right now? I'll say this. I never, ever, 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 ever. Ever, ever. I, ever, ever. Ever, ever, yeah. ever thought that I would come to Bob Bowlesby's defense even a little bit on this podcast, but I'm about to do it. Hang on, hang on. Last summer, even though there was a decade of ineptitude leading up to this, you could kind of claim and sympathize with the guy. Texas and OU made a backroom deal. They weren't transparent. We were caught off guard. We were blindsided. Okay. The Pac-12 and George Klavkov Saw that happen. USC and UCLA ran the same playbook. No, guys, let's not sign a new. Let's not expand. Don't worry about it. Yeah. A year later, they go, uh, we're deucing to the Big Ten. You'll have fun yeah. either dying as a conference or getting into the Mountain West, whatever. Like, Bowlesby, you could at least say, okay, that was a little bit of a jerk move from Texas and OU. I don't know what Klavkov, what his excuse was. He should have been worried. When he was brand new, when he, he was brand new last year, when all that happened. But, but his, first move, his first move should have been to bolster everything. 
Yeah. As soon as that happens with Texas and OU, if I'm the Big Ten, I call Michigan and Ohio State and go, are you guys good? What yeah. do y'all want the Big Ten to do? Y'all aren't going to go to the SEC, are you? And if I'm the Pac-12 commissioner, I go to the USC and UCLA and go, you guys all right? Tell me your vision for the Pac-12. What do we need to do? Do we need to expand? Do we need a new TV deal? What do y'all want? If I'm the ACC, I go to Clemson and Florida State and go, you guys doing okay? What's, what's the deal? Yeah. Uh, apparently, they didn't do that or he didn't do it well enough because they're gone and his conference is about to be RIP in pieces. Well, we should have seen this coming in May when uh, the Pac-12 like ceased negotiations because the conferences were like, no, nah, we don't like, what do you, what do you offer? Yeah. And I, I think there's been some reporting that the teams in the PAC 12, not named USC and UCLA have been talking to the big 12, at least casually for the last year being like, okay, if we're in a position where there's a merger or one of us needs to expand, I don't think the teams were like as caught off guard as they let on. No, but the commissioner for him to be caught off guard or to just allow it to happen. I mean, it's a failure yeah. either way. I think that's more of what happened. He's just allowed it. Yeah. And that's brutal. And maybe it was impossible to stop, but like, okay, the book stops at you. You're the commissioner. When I like, I wanted to be in the meeting last year when they said that they were not going to expand. Like, could you say, that's what I don't get. The other 10 schools, right? Could, don't like, they have enough votes to say USC say no? Or did they know. decide, to, like, did they know they were moving to the Big Ten last year? Surely. And they were just like, no, we can't expand because that'll make it harder to leave? Yeah, because I, I, I think expansion last summer would have accompanied a new grant of rights. And USC and UCLA didn't want to be in the Pac-12 long term. Somehow they convinced the other 10. Partic- like, I think Stanford, Washington, Oregon will wind up okay in some form or fashion. But if I'm Oregon State and Washington State, I am ringing the alarms with the other eight schools and going, guys, if we don't expand, we might be toast. We should overrule them. They're leaving anyway. Like even if this pisses them off and they go to the Big right. Ten, then you at least say, oh, I love that design. Like so throwback mascots kind of or yeah, cartoon somebody mascots. Just, somebody just tag this. Uh, draw with Brady. Give him a shout out. Especially my alma mater, Texas Tech. This is awesome. Did you see... I think this originated in our Discord server. I want to see the the four schools added. The big pack or the big pack. Yeah, the conference. biggie pack, yeah. Biggie pack, biggie pack. Yeah. And there's an artist. I think Texas Tech is his alma mater. I think his name is David Grizzly, but a long time ago he had drawn up like a portrait of Tupac and Biggie wearing Texas Tech gear. Yeah. I was like I was like, we're ready for the Biggie Pock conference. Like sign us up. I don't Wasn't know if these other schools office? are ready. Oh, was it? I don't I know. Think so. it, you might be right. I know the I Willie Nelson was. and like all that one was, but yeah. Okay. Well, a lot of speculation and we can leave it there till we can leave it there for now. And then when some news breaks, I guess yeah. we'll be right back here to talk about what's concrete at that point. Yeah. If you're listening before Wednesday night, uh, we'll be on with big game boomer Wednesday night to talk a big 12 expansion slash consolidation slash movement. Uh, hopefully the Arizona schools will be in by then and we can have something concrete. We don't just replay our conversation we just had. Um, but hey, tune in and go retweet his tweet and you might win a mini helmet. And before we go, can we play a clip real quick from our interview with Sonny Cumbie? 
Yes, so let's do that. We had the fortune of talking to former Texas Tech quarterback, offensive coordinator, interim head coach, Red Raider legend, Sonny Cumbie, who I loved before that interview, but I, I, I couldn't love that guy anymore and couldn't be pulling for him any harder at Louisiana Tech. Talked to him for 30 minutes. It's on Patreon, $5 a month to become a parlay picador. Gets you access to that interview, plus our interviews with Matt Mooney, Cody Campbell, Fardaz Amac. Um, early access to all of our public episodes and access to the Discord server. Here's a clip of Cumby talking about how the Liberty Bowl memory for him was kind of right up there with some other big moments in his Texas Tech career. When you kind of have a cool history with Texas Tech as a player, and then you came back as a coach the first time, um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe started as like even a graduate assistant before working your way up. Um, I know you did some radio stuff. And then came back a second time as offensive coordinator, turned into interim head coach. And I think, you know, the fans like me and Rob, we have these kind of highlights, memories of you, whether it's a 04 Holiday Bowl, you know, the radio call of the 2008 Texas game, or of course, um, earning bowl eligibility against Iowa State, winning that bowl game against Mississippi State. Is there a memory that stands out to you from your time at Texas Tech and any of your three stints that maybe isn't as apparent to us as the fans or a funny story about Leach or anything like that? Hey, Kyle, the, the 2008 call, now that was a lot more John Harris and Brian Jensen now, all right? Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> but, but, but we also remember you were on it too, though. <laughs> I know. I was in the background screaming and hollering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, was a, that was a fun time, and doing the radio is, is those guys asked me to do it, and, and with, with Steve Pitts, and, and, you know, I got on there, and I didn't really have any idea what I was doing. And then and the more – each year I did it, the more I enjoyed it, and, and then Brian and John were great, you know, in terms of educating me and spotter boards and just the the whole thing. I mean, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. But, you know, Kyle, it is it's an interesting when I you know, you think back, I think back to I was a player in G.A. for Leach, um, you know, how that situation ended. Um, then I was with Tommy Tuberville for three years and how that situation ended. And then, then I was with Cliff for a year and then I came to TCU. And then, um, you know, and then and then I came back when when Matt was there and then how everything transpired there. And so really the gamut of Texas Tech football over the last, I don't know, maybe 10, 12, 14, 15 years, um, have, have had a, a pretty interesting perspective and pretty interesting viewpoint of it, you know, or just, you know, just being able to be in the midst of all that and, and to see um, the transition. And, and that was really one of the things, Kyle, that, that brought me to coming back with Coach Wells and his staff. I knew his staff were great men and I just – you know, it, it was like, okay, if you have an opportunity to try to get things going in the right direction for Texas Tech, um, you know, let's let, let's jump on it. And that was one of the, the, the driving points, to, you know, for me to come back. And, and uh, you know, when, when you ask about like a highlight moment, I think most definitely as a player, as a player, it was the Holiday Bowl. But I think, um, and I've told this story before, you know, at TCU in 2014, we were 12 and one, probably should have been in the playoffs, um, beat, beat Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl. I think 40, 44 to three or, you know, 42 to three. I mean, we just totally annihilated them 12 and one championship there. Um, and then this year's um, Liberty bowl and this year's group of team men, players, coaches, that moment really wasn't any different at the end of that game for me in terms of the pure joy and elation and seeing guys accomplish something that they, they set out to accomplish was, was right up there with it. Um, the Liberty bowl victory and just seeing, seeing those players, 
and the elation and, and then almost like it was like a relief and 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 from the standpoint of the excitement and the joy from the coaching staff and players that they we won that game and and hopefully you know the spring you know when you when you win a bowl game there's so much momentum to be drawn from it and and hopefully it was a trajectory and a springboard for what's the success for the the texas tech's going to have in the future so i've got a quick follow-up to that um Obviously, to earn bowl eligibility, uh, the sixth win of the season was against Iowa State. And by just pure chance, I mean, I won the lottery that week and was invited to the AT&T suite at the 50-yard line. And when there's three seconds left or whatever, and I see y'all trot out Garibay, I was like, what are we doing? Are we like, going to try and draw him off sides? Are we going to ask him to burn a timeout? And then do the Hail Mary, like, surely he's not going to kick it. Did you actually think he could make it from 62 yards, or was that just like the only available option? Well, I, I thought as far as our chances, a, a funny two two things on that. That my, my thought process on it was that was our best option. Um, yeah, you could you could drop back and try to throw a hail mary. Um, maybe you get there, maybe you don't. Um, and then I've seen Garibay in practice and Mark Tomerdahl, and so um, we were talking during that timeout. And I come up to Tom and I ask him, I said, Mark, I said, what are the chances that he makes this? And he looks at me dead in the face and he says, less than 50 coach. <laughs> so I was like, well, let's kick it anyways. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you know, it's that or a Hail Mary. And, and they had a lot, of, we had a lot of faith in Jonathan and, and a very strong leg. And, and uh, you know, that was a, that was really, I mean, that was a, a crazy, crazy moment. And, and to get Boyle's building in that game. And then, you know, and then, and then, you know, you, you, I think the, the encouraging thing is how he's bounced back, you know, from, you know, the Baylor game. And, and he, he had a tendency to go in the dumpster. You catch him right after the game, you say, Jonathan, we're not going to a bowl unless you make that kick against Iowa State. And, you know, it's, it's you know, you, 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 he did a phenomenal job and he's doing a good job with the Cowboys. And so, yeah, that, that was one that uh, you just kind of, I guess, go with your gut and, and roll the dice a little bit. And it was funny, too, to watch that from the side angle. You know, I can't tell if he hit it straight or not. But when it came off his foot, I thought, oh, my God, he kicked that pretty hard. Like, that might go yeah. long enough. And then I immediately just look at the people standing in the end zone, and they put their hands up. I was like, oh, my God, he just made that. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah, that was that was a great – that was – that one – that was – it was probably right below the, the the Liberty Bowl championship for sure. Yeah. 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 Again, that was Sonny Cumbie. You can check out that full interview on Patreon. Had a blast talking to him. And there's a whole host of other stuff behind the paywall on Patreon there for anybody who's interested. Oh, and a, and a portion of all proceeds that we generate from that $5 a month goes to the Matador Club. We just started that this month. We sent a $100 PayPal, uh, not a check, to the Matador Club. Want to support Texas Tech student-athletes, and that's a way for us to do it. We certainly hope it grows beyond that. But, hey, if everybody chipped in 20 bucks, 100 bucks a month with as many alumni as we have, that would make a huge difference. 300,000 living alumni, as you've said. On this podcast, if we all gave one billion dollars, all three hundred thousand of us, we wouldn't need no Big Ten or SEC. I think if we all had a billion dollars to give, I might not care about college sports that much. I'd be living on an island, and yeah. I wouldn't know what's going on in the world. Just would bring you be a, if you won the lottery today? Would you still do the gambling gachas? I would, because I I was thinking about this the other day. Yeah. When somebody asks me, like, if you have any hobbies or, you know, what do you enjoy doing? My answer is sports, but I don't, I don't play sports very often right. at all. But I realized start golfing, though, the golfing gauchos. Oh, that'd be a lot of fun. But I realized, I was like, with as much time as I put into this with Rob every week and as much fun as we have doing it, 
this is like my main hobby. Like if I'm not working or with my family, I'm probably either watching sports or talking sports with you. So yeah, I would need something to do all day, even if I had a billion dollars or something. So yeah, I'd still do the gambling gauchos. I probably wouldn't do, I probably wouldn't need the sponsors anymore. No, we would still shout out our favorites though. Yeah. It would be more of like a, yeah. We'd still be in the Cardinal sports center studio <laughs> yeah. eating, eating Rahino barbecue and talking about our favorite law firm ever. Yeah, I would buy a private island and ask Aaron. I'd pay Aaron a bunch of money to serve Rahino barbecue on that island. Yes, <laughs> yes. And he would say yes. I'm sure. All right. Okay. No, I'll see you in a few days as the newest member of the Big Pack 18. Well, first of all, I'll see you tomorrow on Big Game Boomers podcast. Right. Totally didn't forget about that. And then be in the pack, the Big Pack with you. I All also right. liked uh, our other friend from the Discord. Maybe it was, man, I don't want to, maybe it was Dogo Zen, actually. No the doxing. Really, the really big 12. Yeah, the really big 12. Yeah, hey, that's what I want to do. <laughs> I like this too. And MHVAR3 yeah. is full of crap. Yes. But he had a good idea that we could keep the big 12 name and it would be a tribute to the 12 states represented. If we add, the right amount of teams from the right amount of states. Right. It still be the big 12. It would just be the, the yeah. states. And maybe you incorporate that into the logo, just like have a picture of the would states. You rather, would you rather rename or rebrand? Re, I would rather rebrand the big 12 than yeah. rename. I think renaming is hard. I agree. Like you do have agree. to swallow that pill at some point and go from pack 10 to pack 12 and people get used to it. But right. I remember when the pack 10 became the pack 12, it took me a long time to get used to when as soon as you move away from the Big 12, like all of these Big 12 schools don't have any leg up on anybody. And I want the existing Big 12 schools to have some sort of, hey, we've been here, we deserve it kind of thing. And maybe that's just me being selfish. Oh, I, I was going to ask you this too. Uh, what's your favorite 90s sports movie? My favorite 90s sports movie. Yeah. Are we going on the traditional definition of the 90s or... Like I always say that just the 90s, from your youth, just from your youth. Okay. Cause I yeah. think the nineties kind of ended in like 2004. Yeah. Just favorite uh, youth sports Man. movie. Do you want a few from, from, from my from, era from, from when I was a youth or today? What's my favorite movie? Cause like, like I, I enjoyed like Airbud at the time. Like if it holds today. up. Yeah. Maybe something if it holds up, like I wouldn't be rewatching Airbud. Um, okay. Though the, the, Guy from Green Mile, the clown in that movie. Yeah. Great actor. Yeah. With his vanilla pudding cups. <laughs> um, Sandlot. Oh, blue? Yeah. I think Sandlot's a classic. A little overrated, but. I think Remember the Titans was like 2000 or 2001. I think it missed the cut. That counts, though. Is that one of your favorite movies? I haven't watched it in a long time. I loved yeah. it as a kid. I don't think that would make my top 10 football movies. Friday Night Lights was 2004. I like that a good one. one. Yeah. Um, no, like I, little, little Giants. Can I say something a little bit hot takey? Angels in the Outfield. Sports movies, kind of a corny genre. Like n- not, a ton oh, 100%. Of, not a ton of high quality stuff out there. No, but I, that's why I like I like I like the corny, like Sandlot's corny. Angels in the End Zone. Angels now hold on. Angels in the outfield was better. Than Angels, Angels in the end zone? Yes. 
How about first- uh, oh, um, and then they had angels in the infield. Wild thing. What is that? Uh, is, it, is it major major league? league. Major league's it's- the best baseball movie. I think that was from the eighties, but oh, I thought it was nineties. That's the best baseball movie. Major league. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's the other one called? Like the rookie, rookie of the year. Oh, the rookie is with uh, with, with Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always get him and Kevin Costner confused. <laughs> it's a sports movie. Just throw them in there. Yeah, either one will do. <laughs> yeah, I would go just like from the youth because I watched I watched some of Sandlot this weekend. Is what made me think of it. Yeah, and um, I told Keith I would derail every end of episode with uh, with a random question. Do you have a Western of the week? Uh, I went back and watched Young Guns. What did uh, you because, think? Yeah, not quite as good as I remembered. I was the same but, way, but it was good. It was good. I also watched Red Dawn for the first time ever. Have you ever seen it? I haven't seen that one yet. Don't watch it. Okay. Don't watch it. Okay. Spoiler alert. Everyone dies. I thought they like beat the Russians. I thought they like beat the Russians at the end, but no, they just get a freaking rock and carve all the dead people's names into it. And the epilogue at the end is like these brave souls get remembered by this rock when they eventually overturn the Russians. It's like, that's what I, um, I tweeted a clip of this on independence day, but have you ever seen unforgiven with Clint Eastwood and Gene Hackman? Uh, yes. Do you like that one? Gene Hackman. Yeah, it's pretty good. I thought so too. A little bit slow moving. Yeah. Yes. I, I have another gripe and this is not so much a spoiler, but at the beginning of the movie, the timeline becomes important because there's a, there's something due by spring. Right. And then that happens. And so you think, okay, we just fast forwarded to spring. But then later, there's a reference to it being Independence Day and there's snow on the ground. And it's Wyoming. So maybe that's feasible. But it felt like that movie was winter, spring, summer, and back again, like all in one sequence. That doesn't really bother me that much. I just noticed it. Right. I thought it was really funny for the 4th of July because there's, a, I think, a cool scene where the sheriff is disarming this guy who's British. His name is English Bob. Yeah. And he says, I'll need that 32, Bob. And he says, you will leave me at the mercy of my enemies. He goes, you've been talking about the queen again on Independence Day. (laughs) So I saw that movie on the 3rd of July. Ah, That'll make a good Independence Day clip from the Gaucho's Twitter account. Yeah, that's when that's when we watched uh, Red Dawn and I was not impressed. Jim Gene Hackman, though, involves in one of the most overrated sports movies of all time. Hoosiers sucks. It's so bad. Gene Hackman is better in a Western than he is as the coach of an Indiana basketball team. And talk about corny and hokey. That slow clap scene. <laughs> My team is on is the court. so out of place. My team is on the court. Yeah. Shut coach, up, coach, you need five. My team is on the court or on the yeah. floor, whatever he says. The better slow clap cool runnings at the end of cool runnings when they're slow clapping because that feels like a natural slow clap the swedes uh, start the clap and then everybody's clapping Ooh, mighty ducks 90s sports movie yeah my, my which one's your favorite mighty ducks movie um i don't know the difference well the first one they're in the little league against the hawks the second no. one they're in the youth olympics i like the one where they beat the norwegians or the yeah, russians they, whoever it is Greenland. Greenland. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's the Olympics one. That's the D2, the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. I think I like that. And then they come out at halftime in the, the Mighty Ducks uniforms. All right. Here's the situation, Rob. When the cows are in the pasture and the cows are going home, the ducks fly together. Sure. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> um, here's the situation. Uh-huh. Okay. Do you have two, any new news? I have two situations. So that's what I was. I didn't know if this was real. It's not real. It's one of those fake Pac-12 statements. Oh. So right now, the leading idea in the clubhouse is that since we can't win a title to save our lives anyway, let's add San Diego State, UNLV, and Hawaii and focus our attention on being the cool conference, the conference of chill. Love no it. word of academic excellence there. Here's the other situation. I just placed my dinner order. It'll be ready in 15 minutes, so I got to yeah, go. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. All right. Uh, love y'all. Even Colorado Buffs fans. Talk to you soon.